Inspired by the social media campaign hashtag MeToo, Ferguson shared her story of Yodan raping her in her hotel room in Port Elizabeth in 1993 on her blog two weeks ago. The Safa boss subsequently refused various attempts by the media to give his version of the incident, but finally broke his silence on the matter, denying the allegation in a statement made by his lawyer. Lisa Vetton is a gender activist that has worked in the field of violence against women for more than two decades. The statement he released is extremely careful and is obviously designed to try and shut the matter down and stop the conversation. And I suppose from his point of view that's understandable. But it's left a whole lot of conversations unanswered or questions unanswered. You know, I think this whole case raised broader questions around the fact of what do you do where somebody hasn't laid a charge, but where the matter has continued to sit with them and has caused a great unhappiness and difficulty in their life. According to the statement, Yodan has been silent on the issue because of his empathy with the victims of gender-based violence. While Yudan supports the debate on gender-based violence, this case involves two opposing versions that cannot be resolved in the media or anywhere else except in a court of law. And Yudan has been instructed not to participate in any public discourse on the allegation. Yudan's lawyer, Mamadupi Mohala Murauzi. We believe that this kind of um, this kind of matter can only properly be ventilated and addressed in a court of law, where there are built-in checks and balances, in or in, in built-in checks and balances that will ensure that the rights of the alleger and the person alleged to have committed the offence are properly uh, dealt with. The possibility of a mediation process, which Ferguson suggested as a sort of restorative justice, was also shut down by his lawyer, citing that the public may perceive it as a cover-up, alluding to one law for the powerful and another for the masses. We feel that mediation is not a good option because it will give rise to an impression that there is an intention to have discussions behind closed doors and then will further fuel the perception that there's a law that applies to the powerful and then there's another law that applies to ordinary citizens. But according to Vetton, restorative justice may be the only option available to some people who feel that the criminal justice system has failed them. Going into being willing to mediate and to look at a restorative justice doesn't necessarily mean that we think you're guilty. It means that you show the willingness to go and listen to why somebody feels the sense of great grievance and has held it over the years. This is not the first time somebody's been named and it certainly will not be the last time that they're named. We should have broader conversations about what is the nature of our justice system. What are the different forms and ways of justice beyond the criminal justice system that we could think about? And how do we deal with a situation where somebody is named and you can't necessarily always take it to court? Ferguson indicated in a radio interview earlier this week that she may consider legal action. I'm Samantha Mari in Johannesburg. Meanwhile, Janine Latus, a writer, speaker and teacher, described in her book, If I'm Missing or Dead, how she was raped in her teen years but never spoke about it until many years later. My colleague Tracy Boomgaard caught up with her and began by asking her why it took her so long to talk about it. I was raised to believe that if you told somebody that you were raped, and that would identify you as a slut. Um, I also couldn't identify the man, and all of the reasons that we blame victims, like we were drinking and we were flirting and whatever I was blaming myself for, I got separated from my roommate, and so it was my fault. Obviously, it wasn't my fault, but... I was afraid that it would be perceived as my fault. You've written a book, If I'm Missing or Dead. What made you write this book? I was compelled to write it. 
I had kept abuse and sexual assault in my own life a secret, and then my baby sister lived through several of the same things, and she felt like she couldn't tell anybody. And it occurred to me that the old idea that what happens in the home stays in the home, that had actually gotten my sister killed because she wasn't free to tell me the truth about her life. So I told the truth about our lives to give other people permission to tell the truth about theirs. And how far-reaching is that book for you? Have you had feedback from many areas of the world? The impact is incredibly far-reaching. It was a London Times bestseller and a New York Times bestseller. It's translated into Mandarin and some language spoken in Sri Lanka because the problem is everywhere. It, you know, it crosses cultural lines, it crosses language lines, and I hear from people all over the world saying, well, that's my life. But I mean, they read the book and they say, you know, that happened to me too, in some version. It changes, you know, within cultures. But now, how did this change your life? It changed my life in that I finally was able to speak the truth about the way usually women were being treated all across the world. So, that, so now I travel around the world speaking on sexual assault and domestic violence. And so it changed me as an activist, and it changed my career. Now, women and girls go through this on a daily basis. Why do we seem reluctant to bring this out to the forefront? It's funny. We happen to be in a wave of people telling the truth on that topic here in the United States, and I'm not sure whether it's reverberating around the planet. We're afraid to come forward because we get blamed and because you're pushing this giant rock up the hill if you try to press charges against somebody. 3% of rapists who are actually charged with rape actually serve time. Those odds make it much easier to just stay quiet. Now, you deal with um, young girls and women who have gone through gender-based violence, and with you having gone through it yourself, what psychological effects does this horrible crime leave? It leaves a sense that you deserved it and that you should have seen it coming and it's your own fault for being in that position. Abusers, you know, they don't come out and punch you on the first date or rape you on the first date because there wouldn't be a second date. So they groom you. They put you up on a pedestal. You're the most wonderful thing in the world. And then you tell them some secret, like, you know, I hate my nose. And eventually they just use that against you and hurt you and hurt you and hurt you. But you end up thinking you believe it because they pick the thing that you're vulnerable about. And when I say hate my nose, it was just the least you know, significant example I could come up with. No, that I understand. And now, in your opinion, why do you think there are such high levels of gender-based violence around the world? The reason that I keep coming back to is that insecure people abuse. They feel like they need to have power and control over somebody else because for whatever reason, they feel like they don't have power in the world. And so they find somebody that they can control so that they feel powerful. And I also think one of the reasons that we have gender-based violence and all kinds of male violence is because we don't allow men very many emotions. 
they're allowed anger, but if they cry, they're made fun of. We don't allow them a range of emotions, and so they go to what they have, which is anger. Now, do women really know or even believe that there is such a thing as marital rape? I have the joy of meeting the woman who pressed the case that made marital rape a crime in the United States recently, uh, an amazing woman. I, I don't know how anybody could believe that there's not such a thing as marital rape. Nobody has the right to impose sex on somebody else. There's no contract, no, no marital contract that says, one person gets to have sex whenever that person wants to. It's two equal human beings in a marriage. And both people have to say yes before it's consensual. Just to go into your book a little bit more, you did everything to make your husband happy. But were you actually ever truly happy and relaxed? It's funny. There's a line in the book where I... And at the gym, and I say, ah, I'm going to the one place where I can totally be myself. And the woman said, home? And I said, no, my writer's group. It didn't even occur to me that I got to be relaxed and comfortable at home. Have you found love after that? I have the most loving relationship possible with myself. I have loved people. People have loved me, but I have not chosen to stay in a relationship since then heart-wrenching story. Janine Lattice speaking to my colleague, Tracy Boomgaard. Now, we continue with this discussion. Uh, To speak further with us uh, is the Police's Family Violence Child Protection Sexual Offences Investigating Unit, Major General Tebelo Mosekidi. A very good morning to you, Major General, and welcome. Good morning, Elvis, and good morning to your listeners. Now, you heard that heart-wrenching story of, um, of, the, of the author there. And, of course, earlier we also had the package about uh, uh, the, 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 the rape accused, uh, Jennifer Ferguson, rather, that accused uh, Johnny, uh, Danny Jordan of, um, of Safa of rape 24 years ago. Talk to us about that. Why is that a problem? And what could be the contributing factors for victims such as this not wanting to report rape immediately? Elvis, there, there are many factors that contribute to victims not want to talk about rape or not want to talk about it immediately. And later in life, they will realize that they, they need to close up and, and they need to close that chapter, speak about it. it it's normally good that a person should talk about it uh, to get closure, to, to, to find closure. But some of the reasons why victims do not talk about rape immediately when you interview some of them, it will be the issues of them not wanting to be, not wanting a shame. You know, sometimes people will pity for you that this happens, but most of the time that we are picking up, even when we are referring cases to court, when you go to court, you will get people that are supporting the 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 suspected person or the alleged suspected uh, perpetrator of sexual offense uh, insulting the victim or talking ill to the victim. So other people that will experience or see that will feel 
that let me not talk about what happened to me because I don't want shame, number one. Number two, I don't want people to pity for me. Number three, I do not believe this has happened to me because some of the people really do not believe that it happened to them. Some of the people will feel very dirty because rape is something that it's very intimate. It's very... It's it's individualized experience. So if somebody does do it without you consenting to it to happen, then you find a person not believing that it's me who has been a victim, who has became a victim of rape. Mm -hmm. Those are the complexities that you get on, on the victims of rape. Now, South Africa is notorious for its high levels of rape and, and, and a rape culture, but do we really know the true extent of this problem, Major General? South Africa, like any other uh, place in the world, it's, 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 it's having a problem. I think the issue here is us opening up and talking about it openly. That will make South Africa to be viewed as one of those countries that it's, it's very high in rape. And, and, and I want to say it is high, it is unacceptably high in South Africa because you, you find people making, you know, taking it very lightly, even when we, 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 we're talking about it, when we, we're educating people about it, they, they tend to make it's one of those things that are happening. And it is affecting everybody. It's affecting even the families of the people that will become victims of rape. It's affecting them. That is why the levels of rape will always be unacceptable. It's, 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 it's a place that you, you wonder every day when you walk, wake up, when you walk the streets, that am I safe? Will I be safe? And, and unfortunately, majority of, of the, the perpetrators of rape do not feel remorseful after con- or, uh, contributing to, to the act of rape. They, they do not see themselves as having done anything wrong. To, to the victim, they they feel it's it's still okay that a woman can be used as as a sex object. That is where when I get frustrated and I cannot get what I want, then I will go on and and rape a victim. We heard of the stories. I will make an example of Johannesburg, where a woman will be walking the streets in the company of a partner or a boyfriend and getting attacked by a group of men and, and being raped. You know, you, you ask yourself what goes on the, the minds and the head of this group of people that sees that this woman is with a partner and, and, and continue on and, and attacking and raping a, a particular individual. The question is, was that an intention to rape or to, to, to prey on women to rape if they are walking the streets that time of the day, or is it a convenience? They were looking for something else, and unfortunately you find yourself to be in that place, then you get attacked and raped. So it's it's unacceptable numbers. We're doing our best. We're trying our best. We have very good documents. We have very good laws in South Africa that we are enforcing and making sure that we protect everybody, but we see this continuing on and on and on. Hence, Mm -hmm. some few weeks ago, we we had to launch the ministers in Daba, 
and the, the minister, the deputy minister of of, of uh, uh, justice, also followed with with the the the, the, the uh, forum that we were trying to look at. Here is the act. It was reviewed in 2007. It has been enforced. We engage the communities to contribute into making sure that we cover all the aspects of, of sexual offences. How can we pre- prevent and protect the, the victims and the women in South Africa from becoming the victims of rape? But the numbers are continuing to go higher and higher every mm-hmm. day. Talking about the numbers, in the latest Victims of Crime survey, it noted that there had been an increase of 117% in sexual offences. Now, that survey for 2016-17 are based on information on 30,000 households across the country. However, in the crime statistics released by the South African Police Service, it notes that rape had decreased. Why is there a contradiction in the statistics, you think, Major General? The very point, uh, 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 Elvis, that we spoke about earlier, that some of the people will not report rape. Some of the people will go to the centers and report their ordeal, like your, 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 your Tedbeer Clinic, they will go to the Tutuvela centers, but they will then say, I am reporting because I need closure, I need counseling, but I do not want to go through the court process because it will be either traumatic for me or I will, you know, there are a lot of myths that people will put on to why they don't want to go through the process of criminal justice system with their experience or it's a family member so they don't want it to be reported there. So some of the the, the, the statistics that will be released from the, the civil society will be those cases that happened but the victims did not want it to report them to the police. So you will always find the police report will be different because we only report on what we have received and what we have investigated. Some of the cases we have not investigated because victims did not want them to be investigated. Hence the disparity in uh, the the reports that that will come from uh, the civil society and that that will come from the police. They go on further. The the Institute for Security Studies, they warn that the rape statistics recorded by the police cannot be taken as an accurate measure of either the extent or the trend of this crime. Do you concur with their assessment of the situation? And and is it, as you indicated, that some of these cases uh, probably have, uh, have have not been reported and haven't been further investigated? I will concur with them for the same reason that I'm saying some of the victims will report at other centers and they do do not want to go through the criminal justice system. So the police statistics will be the cases that that we have received for further investigation. Some of the victims will even say, I am reporting to the police but I don't want to go through the court process. We still record that. We still have that uh, recorded and captured on our caste system. We, we have a system called the inquiry case docket. So we investigate that so that when the victim comes five years, ten years down the line, it's saying, I want to continue. Remember, we still have that information on our system. At least we have uh, exposed the victim to medical examination. We keep that information. Then we can simply go to the file and continue. That is why some of the cases will be five, seven years old because we, we, we consider 
the, the emotions and, and the feelings of the victim at the time of the report. Mm-hmm. What programs uh, does the department or the SAPF have for women and children in assisting them to deal with reporting these cases and ensure that there's not a, tr- a trust deficit between the police and the victims? The component or the section that you just mentioned within the detective service, the Family Violence, Child Protection and Sexual Offences Unit that I am heading nationally. We, we, we have two approaches that we, we deal with our cases. One is the proactive uh, 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 measure that we are taking by, by, by going to the communities, by conducting education, preventative education to the communities, to the schools, to the organizations that will invite us to come to churches. So we, we, we encourage people why it is important for them to report rape, what are the signs and signals, what parents should look for on a child. Those are some of the issues that we, we, we highlight when we, we conduct our awareness campaigns. And the, proact- the reactive part of what the component is doing or the unit at the, at the provincial level is doing is to investigate. So we, we do both reactive and proactive policies. But then we do not do that alone because of the volume, the overwhelming number of cases that are coming for the investigators that will, you know, at times they will not have enough time to go and conduct the awareness campaigns. Mm. So we do have a component within the visible policing. Visible policing is the uniformed policy that is called the social crime prevention. Social crime prevention have people that... Remember, our, our police officers are trained on the initial sexual offenses, and, and, yes. and they are aware of the signs and signals, what to expect, what to do, mm-hmm. how to advise. So that part, that uh, component of social crime prevention, it's at the station and provincial and national level. It's also conducting awareness campaigns and, and, and public yes. education to educate communities now, about the race. Now, Major General, if uh, if victims want to get in touch with the Family Violence and Child Protection and Sexual Offences Investigation Unit, do they go to their local police station or is there a particular number that they can contact? They go to the poli- police stations closest to them. We, we have, a, a, at each a, a province, we do have, a provincial investigation unit. We have the, the, the investigation unit that is investigating a number of uh, police stations. So, if members go, uh, if community members go to a police station, they will be linked up with the relevant uh, FCS unit that is working with them. We yes. we having so far uh, one thousand and fifty four. I'm speaking under correction, victim-friendly facilities. So if people get to the police station as they are waiting for the FCS members or FCS unit standby officers to come and attend to them, they will be catered for on those uh, uh, centers. We also have social development has also uh, 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 launched last year the the helpline that is also open for the people who want to report yes. their yeah, ordeal, they can also contact the, the, that center and they will link them up with the relevant FCS mm. unit.